Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 749. If you're in Los Angeles on October 24th, uh, fun, comfortable tour, doing stand-up at the uh, Regent Ballroom downtown, downtown Los Angeles. A place that uh, not a lot of people... Well, people do go downtown. Do you ever go downtown? I do. I like downtown. You do? Yeah. Well, There's some f- good bars down there, like Bar 107. Is that still there, though? I, I don't been know. Forever. I don't drink. How would I, I know if Bar 107 like is still bar. there? I know there's like some... Weird shit happened. Unfortunately, there's no tool that we have to ever find out if that bar is still open. I like how I was like, yeah, I like downtown. Is that bar still there? Go to funcoveraltour.com. But there is, there are sports things that happen downtown. And yes, you, I go you to Clippers enjoy games. sports things. I Clippers do. play at the... At the Staples Center. At the Staples. Mm-hmm. At the Staples. They play at they the Staples, play at Staples in the aisles. Yeah. Is yeah, that one of those... Those are they're pretty hefty stores. You know, they're really wide Just move wide the office aisles, furniture out yeah. of the way. They can set the hoops up they there. They just make the hoops out of paper clips. Yeah. And they just knock the file These folders the out of the way. Balls. And that... It works. The little picture of the guy that looks like Clippy... <laughs> and, uh, oh, Clippy for the Clippers! Exactly, that's Clippy what it the is. Clippers. Well, didn't didn't Steve Ballmer buy the Clippers? Yeah. So then it should be. So a Clippy should be. I can't be the first person who arrived at that conclusion. That had I've to never have heard that actually. That had to have existed before me. I'm sure mm-hmm. it did. Clippy being the the Clippers being the mascot for the Clippers. Dude, How can I be of help this, for this have... basketball team? I um, love to think if they're losing. It just shows up like, I see you're trying to win this basketball game. Why don't you wrap your metal prong around the ankles of the opposing <laughs> yeah. team and be of service in some way, Clippy? <laughs> That's your real name. What do you got on the Nerdist Community Corkboard? This one is from the Arcade Comedy Theater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the arcade is roasting the man of your dreams, Freddy Krueger, featuring an all-star lineup of horror icons including Norman Bates, Mrs. Voorhees, Chucky, Hannibal Lecter, and more. Uh, And you can find more. Actually, they don't have a website, but you can find it out. It's called the Arcade Comedy Theater. It's on Liberty Avenue in Pittsburgh, and it's on Friday, October 30th at 8 p.m. And it's only $10. I like that you discovered that as you were reading it. You can find them on the, well, there's no website. I I scrolled down, and I was like, oh, they didn't put a website. Use your Google Foo and just Google it. Yeah. And you can find out more info. Uh, this episode is Kirsten Dunst, who was wonderful. She's promoting season two of Fargo, uh, which is an amazing show. Oh, with and the, the cast this year is, I mean, you know, how do you follow up the first season of an amazing show with an entirely different cast, and then and somehow be able to maintain, if not top, the level of quality? I'm so excited because that first season was one of the best things I've ever watched. It's and this, Mondays. This, I love this season. Mondays at 10 on FX. And uh, so watch watch Fargo. Here's the Nerds Podcast number 749 with Kirsten Dunst. Now entering Nerdist.com. There's not really an official start. This is just sort of the... It's already happening. It's happening right now. Great. We're in it. We're in it. We're the only people conversating. (laughs) (laughs) It's just us. It's just us. Do you... Have you done a lot of long-form interview stuff? Um, no. I don't think I have. Not on... Not like recorded. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to do Howard Stern, but I haven't done that yet. I feel like you could easily do Howard Stern if you wanted to. I I could. It's just... 
you got to be careful. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You really do. Because I'm someone who I know he could make me very comfortable and then I would say things I'd, I would regret later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're not worried that – I don't have good filters, so – No, you don't need them. Yeah. I mean, you don't need them here. No. But they're <laughs> – but I feel like – that's funny. I didn't expect that that would be the reason that you'd be nervous about going on. I thought it would be that he would hit you with stuff. You'd be like, oh, I don't want to talk about that, you know? No, I'd probably overshare or something or like <laughs> – because when you're comfortable with somebody, then you want to talk about things. And with him, I just – you know, things can get – it's not his show. If it were, if we didn't live in like this media, right? like pick apart everything you say – it wouldn't matter, but right. we don't. So that it's it, it, it's a disservice to everybody at the end of the day, you know, because it's not. Well, that's why I think long form is so good is because it's not soundbitey. Mm-hmm. And so there's no, you know, like there's not going to be anything where someone's going to pick apart something that you say and just focus on that and just put that out in the world. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> Are you kidding <laughs> I mean, me, Chris? Us, I mean, we're not Yeah, gonna, not, not you guys, we, but, but yeah, other people can always. Well, it's, it's also because you don't do a lot of this stuff and because you don't really – I mean there was a period – I don't know if you remember this, but there was a period you and I were on the same talk show circuit and, and we did Fallon yeah. and Conan on the exact same episodes within we like did? two weeks of each other. Really? Like four years ago. On the same episode. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I did. We did, we did Fallon when he was doing his other – before he took over The Tonight Show. Right. And then two weeks later, we were both on Conan at the same time, oh. just by sheer coincidence. That's so funny. And uh, so, but normally you don't really do a lot of that stuff. Me? Uh, you mean talk shows and stuff? Yeah. I just haven't had much to promote. <laughs> 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 I mean, the last thing I promoted was this little indie called Two Faces of January, and I think I went on Conan for it. But I, I did a movie. It's just not coming out till next year, and it was supposed to come out the year like last year and now it got pushed again it was going to come out this year and now it's coming out next year so i have been working i just i did take a year off though well i think the oversharing thing is interesting because in because you're not really on social media a lot i have twitter but i just use it for work stuff mostly just for work stuff yeah but as a human being you have an innate need to be understood and so when if someone writes something or you see something, yeah. do you fight the urge to be like, I need to go talk about this publicly so people understand me? I've thought that, but then I think it's best not to say anything because then it, it kind of keeps feeding it anyway. And so it's better <laughs> to just keep your mouth shut. That's right. what, yeah, that's what I always do. But well, I haven't been put in such an extreme situation where I really felt the need to defend myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just been like, oh, okay, whatever there. Do you ever get used to it? I mean, you've been doing it your whole life, pretty much. Do you ever? Do you ever get used to that stuff, or no? Um, you you know how to take it in a way where it doesn't affect you in like a like affect your day or affect like you know your insecurities or whatever. It like it doesn't really matter. Like I've come to a point in my life where I I can live a very private life and. People write negative things. It, it, it happens to everybody. You know what I mean? I I even talk about other people. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm sitting around being like, everyone's great. So it's just the way, you know, people are allowed to have their opinions about I think actors. what the Kardashians doing is really positive for <laughs> yeah, our exactly. culture. Yeah, exactly. And I think fame at all costs is good. <laughs> I think that's a good role model for young people to do anything to be famous. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's such a strange, it's such a strange time and... Having been in the business before there was social media, before there was any of that stuff, and it was really just a handful of gossip magazines, I mean, you've seen it explode since you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think the do you think the ubiquity of information is a good thing? We should all have all the information in the world, or like maybe not? Huh? I mean, it's. It's good and it's bad. It's like, I, I mean, I was writing a script. I'm writing a screenplay with my girlfriend right now. And like, we always joke, like, brought to you by Google. Because it, <laughs> it happens in the 1950s. We're like, wait, did they have mustard that you could squirt out? Let's Google it. Like, so in a way, it's really helped. Yeah. And then in the other way, I'm, I mean, in the media way, I'm, I think I was lucky that I didn't grow up, you know, with the paparazzi bothering me. Because I look at someone like Elle Fanning, who I know, I'm like, oh my God, she's still in high school. Leave the girl alone. You know, it's just creepy. At a certain point, it's like a man is chasing a, a 17-year-old girl, which is, that's just weird. Right. Well, also, because you're the most emotionally vulnerable when you're in your teens, because you're developing your identity and your your body's changing, and you, you certainly don't need people commenting on... I mean, it's like, that to me seems... 
the absolute worst. This seems like the worst time to be a teenager. Yeah, no, I agree. Just like I couldn't imagine being in high school right now and having Instagram and everybody and like all of that pressure. And it, it's already hard enough high school, like to have, you know, every everybody judging you and all this social media is just I, I that would be scary for me as a kid, too. You don't even need to be famous. really. No, you for don't. That. It's just like everyone's Not. everyone's kind of famous because everyone's got social media. It's true. Yeah, and did you go to a regular? Did you go to re- you went to yeah, Notre Dame, I right? Did, yeah, in Sherman Oaks. Ah, because I went to Loyola for a oh, year, you did? Uh, which is the, another the Catholic high school experience. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. I went to Laurel Hall before that. I started sixth grade in the Valley from New Jersey, so I've always gone to normal schools. Though that was a good thing that my my parents did for me because I always had a seat at the lunch table and my best friends, and I feel like I had a very normal childhood considering what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially in Los Angeles, because I think people are just used to, oh, yeah, I know she's on stuff and that guy's on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But in the Valley, too, growing up in the Valley, it's so different. I still live in the Valley. It's just such a different mentality. I don't know. I just, it's so much more mellow. There's parking. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I live with a bunch of, like, people and their families. You know what I mean? I live with a bunch of old people. I mean, I just, I feel more comfortable there. But I think that when you're in the scene of LA, that's when you really start to, like, lose your mind I think a little bit because you know I also have my fam- my family lives in Los Angeles too so it's not like I have no roots you know what sure. I mean so I I I I, I lucked out I think I love the I think I I love the valley at Halloween because there are so many neighborhoods in the valley that are relatively uncharacteristic of the rest of Los Angeles Oh yeah no I live in one of them it's Toluca Lake where I live is like one of the biggest Halloween places in the United States, like ranked to go trick-or-treating. So you do not shut your door. Like this year I'm going dark and not not (laughs) opening to the public, but I just, you just sit there. You don't even like, you buy hundreds and hundreds of dollars of candy. You just sit there and pass out all night. You don't even shut your door. So it's kind of exhausting. It's not even fun at a certain point. I just imagine the absolute joy in some 11 year old boy's eyes when he is dressed as spider-man and you open the door yeah but i'm also dressed up so nobody recognizes me either <laughs> what's your favorite what's your favorite uh, costume i hmm i mean i i t- i've done some good ones I've, I've been slacking a little bit recently i feel like but the best one i did was the night porter which was a charlotte rampling movie where i did wear a bodysuit but she was kind of like she was naked and she had just suspenders on with like this like military hat and it was just and leather gloves it was a it was a cool costume but 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 it was like a it's a very underground weird cult film but that was a good costume i'm thrilled to know that you embrace halloween (laughs) have you been to halloween horror nights yet i did once and it was so terrifying because i think some of the people recognized me and so they went after me harder than anyone else so they like i i went to you know a little whatever a little restaurant to eat and or to chill out for a minute because I've been screaming so much with my friends and they'd come up to the back of my chair and just hold the fake chainsaw against it until I got it. I was just like, where is their piece? I I was exhausted by the end of it. I was so tired. I'd scream so much and I just, the bathroom is the only safe place. (laughs) When I went into the bathroom, I waited for a stall because I'm like, I don't want some guy in a weird hockey mask running in while I'm at the wall urinal and I have to be like, okay, you got that's terrible because I never know I never know you know I always feel like for them you want to acknowledge the performers they're like oh you got me you're doing your job yeah 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 versus like okay okay come on yeah Yeah, I get it leave me alone yeah Yeah. I got it I got it stop chasing me now this isn't fun anymore but it was really fun I went with a group of six people and and it was really fun this year really you know I I did that with a big group too it's just like our crew is so dramatic and sensitive (laughs) I don't know I just remember when my one friend crying I was like oh god oh no yeah yeah that's uh you know if you go in costume yeah, that will help. I think that, that would, would I think that would probably help. Do you go in costume? No, you know, know. Does anybody? People do? Some people No, I don't know if I don't think does. you're maybe you're not allowed to because because you, you can because you could you can mess with people and like yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Actually, that's part of the reason that freaked me out a little bit about it too cuz I was thinking to myself, anyone could come in here, put on a mask and really mess with people in a, like a dark way. So Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Ah, damn it! I know. All right, well, yeah. so much for that. Yeah, no well, that's how people. That's how people. That's how some famous people get through Comic Con. It's like they'll just put on the costume. Yes. And, but I get it, and they're very protective 
rightfully so, one of the performers we're going there's a whole section that's the purge uh-huh. so you get out and then it's like oh there's anarchy you know because the purge is happening uh-huh. and someone ran up to one of my friends and got in their face and he just sort of stood his ground a little bit and the security guard came in and be like hey you got, don't mess with the performers like he wasn't messing with it he was just <laughs> but it's hard i mean if someone scared me that i would hit them obviously like you know it's just your natural reaction as a person they are swinging foam weapons an inch from your face and so you could get hit in the face yeah ultimately but yeah but it's really fun it's really the the, the mazes are great this year Uh, yeah i'm not going back no thank you you know you you should should buy bob hope's house in toluca lake's been for sale forever oh i know it was 25 million dollars but now they knocked it down to 12 which i can't can't afford so but but otherwise i would i would love that toluca lake estate right there and then there's a little there's like a one whole golf course on it and stuff like oh, that. Oh sure, yeah. Yeah. But twelve million, damn. I mean, someone really has to love the valley to spend twelve million on it. Or that. Bob Hope, like, yeah. Yeah. Or at least just want that that section of because I, I saw I was curious, so I looked at the pictures inside the house. I'm like, Yeah. It doesn't really seem like a twelve million dollar house. No, like, it needs regular... to be totally updated that house. <laughs> I love that we're talking about houses. And you if you're an avid golfer, they have the golf course club right there too so basically an avid golfer well my, my fans and i just bought a house and oh, so yeah? I, we've been in the mode of just looking at stuff and seeing what people are seeing what people are doing and you know i love looking at houses so oh, it's so much fun yeah. where did you guys buy or you don't want to probably say there? uh just in the in the los feliz area yeah yeah los feliz hollywood i'd already i've already been there for years and it's just i like it because it's central it's there's views of the city, but it's it's close to the valley. It's close to Hollywood. It's close, and you, and you yeah. also don't feel like when you get up into the hills, it's very peaceful. But yes. you're two minutes away from everything. Yeah, yeah no, so. I, I feel you. I like Las Vegas. I, I like that area. Is mm-hmm. it? But the, the but Toluca Lake, it feels so. It's such. It's got such a good vibe to it. Yeah, I relax immediately when I drive into Toluca Lake. I don't know what it is. I'm like, uh, and it feels kind of East Coasty too. It used to be the undiscovered secret. Toluca Lake was like, you can buy a house in Toluca Lake for not a lot of money. And then the secret got now, out. And now it's, you It's know. still not bad, though. Oh, it's really? It's not bad at all. No, it's not. And, like, people can live a very low-key lifestyle there. It's you got that not... snazzy Bob's right there. And then Bob's they closed there. Moe's, which was a great restaurant. I never went to Moe's. Oh, it was so good. Oh, and now they have Foreman's, which is uh, Laurel Tavern, but on Riverside, which is really nice. It's like a burger joint. We're getting better and better places. We have a good sushi place. We need like one really great restaurant, though. We don't have that. No, no. You know, you need like to a fancy, yummy one. For I'll, tell you, dinner. I'll tell you what you have to do. You have to you have to let Toluca Lake become an economically depressed area, so that food <laughs> hipsters come in and try to revitalize it with weird, like a weird grilled cheese snack bar. That's slowly happening. <laughs> it is. No, it's like they people aren't people aren't as dismissive of, of the valley as much anymore. I don't think. No, like, as they used to be. No, yeah. it it really because if you the valley, I think a lot of people think of the valley as just Ventura Boulevard. Yeah, which is a I which mean is, Tom Petty. I would <laughs> too. I'd just be like, yep. Because <laughs> by and large, Ventura Boulevard is a very ugly street, just in terms of the how fast all the buildings went up. Yeah, and it it developed, it grew very quickly, and so everything just feels like ah, nineteen seventy seven. Don't don't update that. And yeah, then, but but other parts of Valley are very nice. I think as I grew up there, partly it's cozy to me. Sure, yeah. But if I didn't grow up there, I might be like, "This is really ugly." Maybe there's that too. one stretch. There's that one stretch where it's like Chin Chin, and then Nate Nals. Oh yeah, then, I, I avoid that the, little and stretch. Then the, the porno place that's oh, been there forever. God. I've heard. How is it still in business? You know what? My girlfriend and I I don't passed. know if it is. I didn't say that it was. <laughs> I was just guessing. There's a place called Second Spin where you can buy CDs. Oh, yeah. Second that's Spin's great. Still, but how is that still? And they have a big spot there, too. I'm like, how is that still open? Because I think some people really like the idea of having physical things in their hands. Yeah. And I, I almost think there's probably a bigger market for... Uh, I think there's more for, for like aftermarket music... Than a, than a music store because people like to go in and buy albums and CDs and there's there's a cassette movement now too which is completely baffling to me yeah I don't know I think my friend's car still has a cassette I sold her my old Prius and it still has a cassette <laughs> <laughs> what were the cassettes in your car what do you what what, what do you do you like books on tape or what, what to what be music? honest the cassettes from my car were just the cassettes so you could hook your iPod to oh, the sure, speaker sure, sure. so that's the only cassette I ever used in there yeah yeah uh, and what are you listening to on your iPod I, what do I listen to? I'm like, 
What do I listen to? You know what? Of new stuff, I like The Weeknd. I like I like Rihanna. <laughs> I like, <laughs> That's okay. I just like fun music now. Yeah. Or like sad. I like, you know, I, I kind of became that person that was so into music and knew every indie band, and now I don't know them at all. It's very hard to keep up. It takes a tremendous amount of energy. It does. And like, I don't know, I just rather put on like Guns N' Roses or something. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, I listen to K-Day. And I listen to uh, the, I think it's um, it's whatever, it's a college community radio station that's really good. And that's where I like listen to the young people's music. But <laughs> I sound like so old. I'm only 33. But, These kids. You know, I'll Shazam artists, but then I'll never actually buy them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or, or I, will, I will buy from Shazam and then never listen to the... Never. I, I discovered like 80 songs on my iPhone that I'd forgotten about when I was transferring oh. over to my new computer. And it just said, oh, you have purchases on here. I do. It was like 80 songs. Like, oh, my God, I bought all of these. I have no memory of them whatsoever. (laughs) I know. My purchases are like, you spent 99 cents getting more lives on on, Farm Heroes. That's really depressing. I've quit that now. But there was a time where I got emailed about three times about the few dollars I had spent on a bad, you know, bad game. So the script that you're working on. Yes. How do you motivate yourself to work? Um, well, I have a friend, so that helps to have a co Be accountable. That, that really, yes, exactly. And we had a deadline recently, so that helped as well. But we would just, it's a kind of thing where like we could keep rearranging and making better and there's so much freedom within, it's based on a book, but it, it's, it's really could make it any way you, you can. I mean, I didn't sound, sound intelligent at all. It does, it does. But wait, wait, what it is is like it's, it's, it's a kind of book that, that's so, it's it's just could be so didactic and bad or you could really make a life of something so you really have to make your own scenes up and it it's it's very hard it constantly gets better so we can stay up to like 4 a.m every day while i was doing press then i have to go do press then you know she'd be writing and fixing things then i'd come home and like then i'd have to go do a tv show again but i was up to like 5 a.m every day doing press for fargo which was not the best for me <laughs> mentally but i had to do it you know yeah and and still finding time and energy to work on the book. What's the book? I can't talk. Oh, about you can't it talk about it. I know. It's but I yeah soon maybe yeah. We're it's early stages, but it's a yeah it's a book that most women have read. And is this a process that you enjoy? I want I want to. I'm directing it, so I enjoy it just because like I get to write exactly what I want to see. So and I, I think that. The way I'm approaching it is very funny. So it, it's going to be a dark comedy and it's – I already have my actress and everything like that. But it's – yeah, I, I've wanted to direct for a long time. So Particularly – like what is it specifically that – because to me, I've always, I say this all the time. Directing sounds like such a nightmarishly – Oh, it's a war. Yeah. <laughs> it is. No, it, to- it is a war. Like – but I – so I want – I don't – I'm so – you know as an actress you pour your heart out and then it's taken over by everyone else and with this you know i can really and i also don't have to get into hair and makeup either but you know i can show up to work look like a slob and just focus on what i want to see rather than having all this creating a character and then having it just taken into somebody else's hands completely so it's just seeing the whole process through is what excites me. I mean, being an actor and, and particularly being an actress, there's so much, unfortunately, there's so much that people focus on that have nothing to do with your actual perform, with your actual work. Yeah. That it, it really, it seems like you really just need to enjoy the process more than anything else. You do. And I do like, that's the best part of what I do. And then if it do, does well, that's just like amazing. You couldn't ask for like with Fargo. The fact that we, you know, the first season was so great and now this season is being heralded is just like, it It could, I, we couldn't have hoped oh, you're for cast. more. You know, it's, it's you and Ted Danson and Patrick Wilson and Gene Smart. I mean, it's a, it's a, an incredible cast. It's such a good cast. And Noah was so good at p- picking people that were like, not only so perfect for the role, but also really good people. You know what I mean? Everyone's really nice. And I know we all hung out. I hung out the most with Jesse Plemons, who plays my husband in it. Who is in Friday Night Lights and and Breaking well, Bad? Yeah, yeah, and Breaking Bad and Black Mass now. Um, so 
it was a very hard process, but the but the fact that everyone was like a good person and kind, like no one was a diva, no one had issues or anything. Everyone just like did their work and wanted to do the best they could because no one wanted to be the person on the show that you know wasn't wasn't up to par with all the rest. So I think it made all of us having having coming from a, a season that did so well to like do even better or yeah. try at least. Did you like? Was it fun to do television again? I, mean, I assume it probably just feels like doing a long movie. It does. It's hard. It's harder work because, like, especially with my character, I'd have six. I had like one day where I had six pages of dialogue. It's just me talking, and like we're working till two in the morning. So the schedule, and and you don't get as many takes either. So the schedule, you have to be on it more so than a film because there's eleven pages to get through in the day, and with films, there's like five. Yeah, were you? Uh... Were you emotionally because pre- listen, the 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 pervasiveness of nerd culture, mm-hmm. which is basically just pop culture now. Yeah, <laughs> um, a lot of that happened because of X Men and Spider Man. Were you remotely prepared for how much of a thing that movie became when? You made it. Or do you not think in those terms? I thought, listen, the auditioning process was rigorous. Like there was definitely – like I met with Sam almost a year before I even auditioned for it. So I knew that this was going to be something special with him directing. And Toby at the time was a heralded indie actor. You know what I mean? So every all the pieces were coming together as a really interesting independent film but on this huge scale of Spider-Man. So to me it was so – I wanted to be a part of it because I knew that it – it felt like it could be a, a really good quality film on top of the fact of being really successful, hopefully. So for me, I wanted to be a part of it so badly. And yeah, I mean, I I mean, it's Spider-Man, so you already have a huge audience. and Doesn't mean it's going to be good, though. Doesn't and, mean and, it's going to be good. And it was. Yeah, and I think that's because we had Sam Raimi directing it. You know what I mean? You can't just throw any director... that has a successful indie into making a huge movie like Sam has a legacy you know what I mean it's not like I don't know I think that sometimes studios want control and so they have directors that not are not necessarily qualified maybe or it's just it's hard to keep telling these stories over and over again too it's not like you know to the fact that they already rebooted Spider-Man was just so quick and like I don't know I think it's unnecessary but I don't know. It was I'm that, sure they made a ton of money, but it was, like, a, it was a rights issue. It was it was the issue of Sony needing to retain the rights. They had to make a film, or they had to give give up the rights. So it really just boiled down to like a legal thing of like, oh my god, but, seriously? But we were going to make a fourth film before they ended up doing that. Oh, I, yeah, that got like. Yeah, stopped basically. So then they decided to reboot it. Do you want to go make it now? We can just go make it now. <laughs> Let's go make it happen now. I mean, when you're working, it's Sam, who's been on the podcast and is a lovely guy. Yeah. I mean, when, when you work with, I'm curious to know that now that you're taking on directing, are there things that you specifically learn from directors that you've worked with that you absorbed kind of observing them? So for Sam, what is there anything that you picked up? Um, I mean, Sam, Sam, for such a large set, kept an impressive amount of, of intimacy with his actors and things because we did have three units at sometimes going on at the same time. And, like, I never felt – of course, there were those days where you're just sitting around for hours and you end up doing nothing. And, like, you know, we have those days where it's all special effects stuff and stunt stuff. But when it came down to the scenes, he – it was always felt very important. You know, like, oh, okay, we got to get through this to get to the, you know, action yeah. scene that comes next. And, like, he created a very – because we did three films together, it was – it felt like like coming back to a great family every time, which was nice. But for most of the directors I've noticed that I like working with, they create an intimacy on set. Like, it's quiet. No one's yelling action. No one's screaming. Like, the first AD, everyone is in the same kind of tone where – it feels safe for the actors and it's calm and I like that the best. I mean, for me as a director, I would trust my actors 100%. I'm not somebody who needs to talk things to death. Like, I feel like you hire, you you know, that's your job as a director to like hire the best person for the job and I don't think, I think like trusting your actors is the best thing and your gut immediately in, in whatever you're doing and, and it's just who you build around to to support you i think and and your taste basically and that's all then you hope then then you know you hope that it 
turns into something great, but it, you know, from writing it, then it's going to change again from making it from, and then it'll change again. So it's just, you have to be able to adapt with that, I think. And I've spent my whole life adapting. So it's, you know what I mean? I think it will be something that, that I'll be able to make, you know, quick decisions on under stressful situations and I won't really be freaked out, you know? Yeah. But so when you say you spent your whole life adapting, what are you what are you referring to like i mean i've always had to you know come in and out of school live in different countries and you know it's just different personalities different directors different actors you're working with you're constantly having to like kind of cuz i'm not somebody who wants to make a scene like i'm someone who wants to be left alone you know like even on set i never have assistants or anything i just the more people that surround you the the harder it makes to do your job i feel sure. like so for me i've just i you know i think when you're young and, you know, you're having your schoolwork and now you live in Vancouver and then, you know, you have to go home and, and pick up again. Like, there was no blip, but, like, I've always had to – I think that that my brother did too because he traveled with us too. So it made him, like, way more worldly and he is better with people for it, but it's definitely, like, not, you know, a, a normal childhood in that sense. And did you ever want that or did you like it? I I liked it because I didn't love school. Like I was happy to leave. You know what I mean. I had my I had like two month minimum, and I'm like I'm ready to work again. Yeah. Um. Just because I it was so boring to me. <laughs> I don't know. School was just like I was, and I think I was stressed a little bit because I never wanted to be singled out as the actor in school. Sure. So I was always really nice to everyone because I mean that's who I am. But I never wanted to be singled out as like, you know, you're a bitch because you act. You know what I mean? Right. Or anything like that. And I did have my good girls crew like if anyone said anything they, they'd they have my back um but what were you talking about then now i lost my we were talking about thought. having a normal childhood oh yeah okay so but i so yes i'm happy i got to leave school um i do think it would have been fun to like be in drama I, I was in the drama class but like to be in a school play or a musical i would have liked that and i did miss i went to most of the important things and school dances and things but you know there were the occasional thing that i missed that like i wish i would have gone to but as a whole i had a pretty good you know i got to go to the fun stuff you know maybe you, you know- i miss like the night at disneyland after you know like the oh, senior yeah. like i miss a few of those things that bum me out I feel like you could go back and do all those things. You, you could just get your friends together and be like, seniors. And, and if you wanted to, I bet you could do a school play. You could just walk into a school in the valley and go, hey, I'm Kirsten Dunst. I want to be in your school play. And that would be such a punk rock move. Oh, my God. Just be like, oh, I was just in, a, I was just in our town at, you know, <laughs> Coldwater. Yeah. Just for the fuck <laughs> Coldwater Middle School. Yeah, yeah why whatever. Not? Why yeah. not? Why not? Like, it, hey, it, and that would be very James Franco of me. <laughs> or, 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 you know, Will Ferrell. Like, the, the, these yeah. are guys that just, like, they just do whatever they, they want. want. That's yeah. true. That's true. I mean, it doesn't, if it sounds fun to you, just do it. And yeah, if no right. one understands or likes it, who fucking cares? Yeah. You know, like, it really. That's funny. I think that's the best. <laughs> I think that's the ultimate measure of a person of, of like what success is. Are you doing exactly what you want to be doing, and do you not have to do anything that you don't want to do? You're right. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Good thing I don't feel like I'm doing anything I don't want to do. <laughs> it's true. I don't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If I really want to do a high school play, I could. You're right. Maybe I'd direct one. Maybe if I had kids one day. I don't know. It'd be kind of awkward to like be with teenagers and a play. I mean, it could, unless yeah. it's like a middle school. Yeah. You know? I yeah. don't know. Because mm-hmm. I think kids start to get very aware by the time they're in high school. But middle school kids, I feel like they would just treat you like... Normal. You just you, you might as well be one of the teachers. Yeah, you know? you're right. You're right. So it could be more... You're right. Fun that way. Yeah, maybe I'll be a, a drama school teacher. Or you could just go super weird with it and be like, uh, I played a tree in a third grade <laughs> production of Why Does the Sun Shine yeah. or something yeah. silly like Into that. Into the woods. I was, yeah. The, yeah. Do you think, do you, do you see yourself uh, with kids at some point? I definitely want that, yeah. I mean, in the next like three years or something. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get directing under my belt first, but... I mean, I have a one-year-old girl. Go- she turned one on Sunday, and, like, I can't help but lo- – I mean, I love her so much. And I just – you know, obviously it inspires you when you, you're you around a baby that you love so much. So, yeah, of course I'd like to have kids. Oh, that's good. Do you have any kids? Or no, no, I don't no. have any kids. But, uh, like I said, I just got engaged a month ago. Yeah. And I never thought I wanted kids just because I – 
Uh, I feel like, like they help you die, though. It's like worth all the shit because <laughs> when you're old and you have nobody, they help you die. It's true. That if there was a if there was a commercial for the concept of kids, <laughs> yeah, kids, they, they help, help you, you die. die. Oh, I better sign up. For that. <laughs> well, I just um, I like to I like things to be very controlled. Yeah, and um, and, and with kids, you can't. You can't because you can't control. You just have to roll with shit. Yeah, you do. And that was that's very scary to me. But it gets easier though. And you, you'll have a babysitter help you. It's not like you know. I know, I know. And my, and my fiance is rad, and and I think yeah. she and I know she wants kids, and so I actually I've started to be like, oh, you know, I could. I've had started having dreams where I just have a baby, and it's not my baby, but it's my baby. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no. And I I'm get like, it. oh, this is a, this is a baby, and yeah. it's kind of rad. But I uh, I don't know. I, I feel. More comfortable with myself now than I did before. How, how, do you feel totally comfortable with yourself? I feel good about myself. Good. Yeah, I feel good. Good. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been playing tennis? Uh, well, I started with Wimbledon. I did a tennis movie. Yes. And then I started again. Like I ran into, I ran into um, a friend of mine, old friend of mine, and she was at the. I I work out there, and she plays tennis there. And I was like, Oh, you started playing tennis? And she's like, Yeah, come have a lesson with me. So it's only been a few weeks now, but I love it. It's so fun. What does it all mean? And that goes right back into the universe. God, please. Yeah. Can we stop? Yeah. How long, how much time do you, are you done shooting Fargo, I imagine? Yeah. Oh, we stopped that mid-May. You know, this idea of, of doing essentially like a one season miniseries is such a brilliant idea because it, I feel like it, part of the thing that scares particularly film actors from getting involved in a television series is that when you, you know, normally it's like, oh, you potentially sign on for seven years of your life. That scares me. And no one, like most people are, that's a very scary thing to do. Yeah. That's why I'm like, okay, I'll do a 10 episode thing. But yes, to sign on for, I I, I wouldn't be opposed to doing a TV show, but it would have to be something that like makes me so happy, the concept and everything that I wouldn't mind Spending and I wouldn't also. I'd want it to be like an ensemble, so it's not just because it is a lot of t- TV. Is so it's such hard hard work. Like my friend Lizzie Kaplan, she's on Masters of. Sin, oh yeah, she's and great. She's exhaust. Like she goes into a like I don't see her or talk to her. She just like it's such hard work. So it is because your your hours are long and you have to stay focused the whole time. And the night before, you're just learning your shit for the next day. It's like it's a never ending thing. Like there's no reprieve. I feel like with that. And then when you talk to people who are on that schedule, and you go, "Oh, I saw this episode where you did this," they go, "Oh, really? I don't remember that." <laughs> you know, because yeah. they're so they're just so in the mode of just no. like getting through through every day. I mean, is that? I don't even know if there's a way to prepare. If there's a an acting school or something, or even I don't know if there's a way to even prepare people for that. I don't think there. I mean, I know she got a lot of B twelve shots, and <laughs> I think at a certain mo- point, your mind just goes into autopilot, and like you become this acting machine. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't know. Like. I was happy. I know I'm not in one of the episodes of Fargo. And I was like, oh, my God. Thank God. Two weeks <laughs> off? Two weeks Are you off? kidding me? <laughs> like, this is amazing. Because it did feel like I was cramming for a test a lot of time. And the way you prepare and work with this lady who I work with, it's very intense process. So, like, every episode I was doing all this work for, like, each episode. I could have only have, let's say, three scenes in it. But the amount of work I put into it is like doing a little movie every time. Sure. So that was – a lot. I was like, how do you do this with people who are on a show consistently? And she's like, well, we have different ways of doing it. But yeah, it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot more work than doing a film, I think. What are your favorite types of characters to play? What, is there anything – do you, do you gravitate towards something or is it just a project-by-project basis? I think for me it's director-based. Like I – you know, the same script in another director's hands I would never do. You know, sure. So like I got to work with Jeff Nichols who did Mud and Take Shelter who's mm-hmm. an amazing director. I love his films. But, you know – it w- it was a s- not that it's a small role. It's important, but it's it's. I I knew that I just wanted to work with him, you know, and I knew that he would make something special. So for me, I just want to be a part of things that people think are good pieces of art. You know what I mean? Like I want to be a part of good things that last. You know, and I'd rather not make money. I'd rather you know wait a year to work again. Like I waited a year until I did Fargo. So I'd rather just. You know, play tennis, I guess. <laughs> well, the, you know, what I actually, I really liked Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Because every, 
everything was the movie was like a series of paintings it's beautiful and and it felt so i don't know it just it felt like like being absorbed into this world yeah and that's what sophia does so well she's just like an emotional she she gets the emotion emotion out of it but it is like seeing something so beautiful that you haven't seen before because she you know because of what, what her vision is and she's such a special director in that way um but even like doing melancholia like you know, I didn't know that movie would turn out to be so special either. And and it's nice to think, okay, in like, I don't know, 20 years or whatever, that might be a film that I did that people ha- have to watch in film school. You know what I mean? Right. Or like Virgin Suicides or, or Eternal Sunshine. Like it's – I've always tried to pick things that have the potential to, to live on. You know, so what is? Because you did a lot of really good fucking movies. Like, yeah, what is well, it about? I have what, good taste. I know <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Is, is that really? I mean, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's just like a gut. It's a gut feeling. It's a gut feeling, but you're either like, you know, you either like, you you can tell. Okay, this is gonna be crap, or not. like, you know, what has the potential to possibly be good, you know? And I you know, take chances, but, but like, you know, I've done plenty of crappy movies too, but and. You really, it, it it boils down to taste, in my opinion, completely. But you just don't know. You read a script, and every you know, like no one goes into a movie and be like, "Guys, let's make a piece of shit." <laughs> like uh, you, half acid. Uh, who gives a shit about the lighting? I mean, like everyone, right. everyone comes together. You know, the orchestration, and it really is an orchestration. Yeah, there's so many different sections that really need to align. But that's why I'm director driven because I'd rather have the crappiest script and know that this. I know this director's work is amazing because you can turn anything. You can make anything good. I think, like, if you're a great director. I really believe that. Yeah, it's, you, it's like all all about the director to me. Are you in, are you in the movie you're directing? No, Mm-mm. I wouldn't do that to myself. That's a lot of work. That feels like a lot of work. Yeah, and it's also I hate when I watch movies actors direct and they put themselves in. The, it just feels like <laughs> it's so ego. Like I don't know. It's so I'm not into it. It is equivalent to. Uh, and this is something I used to do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, not that. It's equivalent to going to karaoke a lot and just doing a song you know you're good at. You know what I mean? Like putting yourself in a movie like, I'm going to highlight the best parts of my face oh, and my performance. God. You know what I mean? It's such a – it feels like kind of a – I don't think I could judge myself though, honestly, fairly, like acting-wise. I don't think I could do that, like edit myself. I don't think I could do that. Do you like sitting in an edit room? I mean, it's like it gets really dark, you know. When you're like, <laughs> I don't know. I always felt like I've done two shorts, and I don't know. You like go outside for a second. You're like, what? You're hit by the sun. Just, what day is it? Know, you know, emerge like a mole person. Well, because you can sit there for hours, and you get in this hole, and you're just eating crap. And it's like writing. You just get in this hole. Like me and my friend, we didn't get out of robes for like days. And we're just oh, thank God for Postmates. It's like we've ingested taco. Bell, Del Taco, pizza, in and out. It's like, what else crap can we put in our bodies? It's, no, it's disgusting, actually, the food, the amount of food we ate during writing and, like, the choices we made. But that's what you do. It's just you got to. It's just, like, Postmates it is, you know? Do you schedule? That's why I'm trying to be healthy. I oh. balance it out. I'm not like this. Well, you're drinking something green, which equals health. Yeah. No, I mean, what are you like, talking about? You rolling here in a tennis outfit <laughs> drinking a green drink. You seem like the healthiest person. Because for the last two weeks, I've been eating, like, crap writing with my friend. That's why. Because I have to balance it back out again. I've... Yeah, you I, know, it was just we had an array of like Parmesan, ranch, ketchup, <laughs> Del Scorcho sauce, like, you know, the, the, it was like and we just had a platter of your options of whatever you wanted to squeeze on, you know, whatever quesadilla. But we did learn Del Taco quesadillas are delicious to eat in the oven. They really get like a pastry kind of. quality. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, actually, no, I, that, a lot of the things we had were good heated up in the oven again, which is. The older you get, you really realize how what you put in your body has a dramatic effect on your emotional state. Mm-hmm. Like what you put in your body regularly. And you do, you know, I feel like if, you know, I would say to anyone, if you're kind of getting to a place where you're feeling bad and you start having these large existential crises, stop for a second and go, am I under stress? Am I eating a lot of shit? Yeah. Have I been sedentary? And if the answer is yes, all those go, maybe I shouldn't tackle life at the moment. Yeah. You know, like yeah. maybe I should try to put some healthier things. Because when you do, you really, it you, really does affect, you know, your state. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I would, yeah. 
<laughs> it, it it was it gets it gets funny at our house. I mean, we didn't wash our hair. It was just we lived in our robes for a while. That's pretty riding. cool, though. It is. It's great, but then you yeah you need to like eat a salad or something you know? <laughs> and then your body's like what is this yeah exactly yeah uh, it's amazing how you can you know you talk, you mentioned before about being adaptive your body will literally adapt to anything yeah anything and you know you could be eating sugar all the time but then if you stop it's hard to stop but if you stop for like a month and go back to it it's such a weird – like your body doesn't like it anymore. You almost reject it. Well, I had to do a – I did a movie with my girlfriends, Laura and Kate. They have this fashion line called Rodarte and it was their first movie they wrote and directed. And after Fargo, I had eaten like crap in Calgary. I was just eating like cheese and bread in different forms. And I didn't care because Peggy's not – she's a Midwestern girl. I wanted her to look a little meat and potatoes anyway. But it's freezing outside. I Patrick Wilson's going for runs. I'm like, I can't. I'm sorry. Like, there's no gym inside. Showboat. I'm not going running. But he looks so beautiful, and that's why he yeah. like runs every day. Sure. Yeah. And like here I am with Jesse, and we're like, Plemons. And we're like, oh, do you have a frozen pizza in your house? Because I don't. I ran out. Like, so <laughs> that's the difference. So that's why Jesse and I look like the out of shape couple, and he looks like a golden god. Um, but. But then after that, the, my girlfriends put me on this diet and I went to a nutritionist and I they delivered me food every day and I didn't have dress. I mean, I literally just ate vegetables and salads and these special health shakes. For I was so miserable because I was just done with Fargo and then I wanted to take a break and then I had to prepare for this role and my month of preparation was like not eating anything that I like to eat and I was so miserable but – it's interesting what you said about the sugar thing and everything because I – even having a bite of something normal like a potato chip was the saltiest thing I'd ever put in my mouth. Right. When you take a break from all of that, it's weird how much your body's affected by like all of it. I, I had to give up coffee. I had to give up everything. It was it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Are you a coffee drinker? I think it's worse than being pregnant because at least it, when you're pregnant, you can like have coffee. You can have things. Right. Like this was like nothing, nothing. It was like – Everything was so boring. I remember once they made me a brown rice pasta and I was like, licking the plate. <laughs> I was so excited that there was like any thing kind of flavor. shaped of pasta at all. I was, yeah. That's so funny yeah. that your brain was like, oh, that's, oh, that's oh, supposed to be. I just had blueberries for snacks and things. Like, it was so depressing. Like no salted on, you know, nothing. Did like, you feel better though? You know, people will be like, your skin looks really good. I'm like, yeah, because I've basically not put anything toxic in my body in two weeks. That's why it looks so good. But I'm miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like over time, though, you you would have, you know, because I think your brain does do a, a thing at a certain point where you're like, well, it, you, you can't be unhappy all the time. So I feel like your brain just goes, okay, I guess I just like this now. I guess I'll just like this now. I don't know. I don't know. Like no ketchup. Like no th- nothing. Not even condiments to make. Wait, the- no ketchup? <laughs> oh, well, you know that. what I mean? Like n- not even a condiment. Like nothing. Oh, wow. I feel like Braggs is the only thing you can put on anything that's amino acids thing. <laughs> Bra- you know Braggs, I mean? uh, uh, like, apple I know cider now vinegar. All these diety things like stevia drops to make your coffee sweet in case you want something sweet. And like dandelion powder to make coffee. And like obviously I'm back on coffee again. Like as soon as I was done with this, I was like. No, I'm drinking coffee. But yeah, I have I had a lot of dietary restrictions. It wasn't fun. <laughs> and my mom makes big Sunday dinners every Sunday, so I would sit there and everyone would be eating and drinking whatever they wanted. And like I remember once, I think it was the Super Bowl, and I was like, oh, just, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't the Super Bowl. It was something. She had chips and onion dip out, and I was like, fuck this, I'm having one. I was like, <laughs> like, like three chips and onion dip, and I was like, I'm breaking the rules. But I just, I was so angry <laughs> that I had to do it. <laughs> But it seems like it worked out okay. Coffee, you I No, it did. I looked better in that movie, so there you go. And was your first cup of coffee <laughs> was your first cup of coffee back like just uh No, it wasn't. It I don't know. No, it wasn't actually. Uh-uh. I started drinking coffee again on the movie because I was just like, I need to actually do the scenes too. So yeah. I can't be like tired because I'm not eating. You want your anything. brain to shut down. Yeah, no. No. So with everything that you did with Fargo and then this film that you're writing and direct co writing and directing what is it that you ultimately want? Like, what is what do you want to what do you want the, to show the world? What's important to you? Hmm. I think I mean I just want to be a part of good things that people like. You know what I mean? That's yeah. all I want. You know, I just you work really hard on something, 
and you just want people to love it. You know, that's all, that's all you can ask for with that stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, the movie that I have coming out next year, I've seen, I think it's really good. I feel like people really like it. It's a original sci-fi movie. That's really cool. Yeah. It's great. Have you seen Take Shelter? No, I haven't it's, seen it. You would love it. It's really good. That's this director who did Mud too. All right. He's he's special. That director. All right. I will. I will base yeah. on your recommendation. I it, will watch it, it makes it, it like Midnight Special. It's called. It makes me feel like it's. Uh, it feels like an old Amblin movie. Oh really? Yeah, it does. It's it's cool. Oh, that's good. It's got a little bit of Close Encounters vibe to it. It's really good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Are, are you a sci-fi fan? I mean, good sci-fi. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. I'm not, but I'm not. A, I don't know. You, know. you don't know everything? No, I don't. Yeah, because, you know, sci-fi and horror are tricky genres because yeah. they're genres that can blow up and be, like, you know, for not a lot of money can blow up. So as a result, particularly in horror, it's so flooded with a lot of not great things, people just trying to gra- do a cash grab. Yeah. So when you find a really good one, it's a big deal. Oh, no, I know. The, the one I did with my girlfriends this summer has a horror element to it for sure and like one of my favorite movies and one of the best independent films is is um uh, texas chainsaw massacre you know it's just it is and that's like one of the first indie and it's so beautiful to watch it's like one of the prettiest movies too so i'm into horror good horror but but um I'm not like I don't know every new horror movie or anything. But like do you that. think you do you think these are genres that you would want to direct in? Do you want to do you want to horror, tackle them? My first short film was like a horror movie. It was a, a ghost story with Winona Ryder. So, but it was yeah, it was I, I'm into that stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you think that a director's job should be to find one thing and try to explore that over and over again, or do you think it's better to? I'm going to try a little bit of this and a little bit of this and then a little bit of that. I mean, that's like real talent to be able to do all that, I think. I, I mean, somebody like, I guess like Ang Lee, somebody who's done that, like you're like, he directed that and that and that. Like he's, he can, he's genreless, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I think that's pretty hard to, to do. I don't think many directors do that. We could, we, Ron Howard was on the podcast about three hours ago. Oh, really? And it was the same kind of thing where you, I mean, I know the stuff he's directed, but then you forget some of them and you're like, Oh, he did Cocoon. Oh, right. He, oh, he did Parenthood. Like, and right. you go through, yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah, he's, yeah, incredible. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, just so you know, you said a very similar thing that he said, which was about not trying to control too much of the experience and just kind of go, oh, you start here and you kind of let it be. And you, and mm-hmm. that's why I feel like I would make a terrible director because I just don't, being able to let go in that way. But, like, as an actor, that's what you have to do. So I feel like because he grew up doing that. Too, I think that that makes you a different type of director, probably. I guess so. You, yeah. you you seem more attuned to how to communicate with actors and how to get how to get what you want, and you know. And, and have you even thought about like? Do you think about that about how to communicate with people? Do you do you think how to get like if you need something? I don't think I'm good at that actually. <laughs> I'm not good at like yeah. I don't think I'm good at that actually. I I think I can explain what I want in the scene. But also, I want their input. I want their help, too. So it's – I know what the vibe and the tone should be, but you have to be delicate in the, how you ask an actor for that, too, because people sure. can get very easily, like, offended or shut down. Sure. So you kind of get to know their style, I think, when you're working with them, and then you either just let let them alone, know that their third takes, they're where they have it, and, like, let them explore. So I'm not a big – I don't think I'll be a big note giver. Yeah. Unless something's really wrong. What you want to do is right after a scene, you want to knock <clears throat> the camera out of the way and go, "Why are you trying to fuck me? <laughs> you know, what, you, what, do you, what do you need? You know, just like get in their face and really, yeah. It is, <laughs> I'm not going to make anyone cry or anything like that. That's not my method. No, no, but it is like you. You know, you're right. You do have to dance around the sort of del because they're really putting themselves on the line, and that's attached to their egos, and that's attached to their insecurities. And how do you navigate that minefield? Yeah. Especially if you're empathetic to it because you know what yours are and you know what would be. You know what I, what I always do if someone wants to – I'm like, I'm not ready to be talked to yet. Like if anyone wants to give me a note – like I know because I know myself and I, I just like – I'm not a big – I don't like a lot of notes because I already know what I need to get done. You know what I mean? And right. if I haven't communicated that, then I fail on that. You know, So I already kind of like – I know I should know my character better than anyone else, I think. So especially with something with like Fargo, you get a different director every – Two weeks, right? So that was weird too. We, and and some some days, one day I had three different directors oh, wow. in one day. 
So I didn't – at first, I really did not like that. And then I got to know each one better and better, and it was it, – it, I got adapted to that style, but – Oh, yeah, because you're constantly having to recalibrate yeah. the relationship that you're clicking into. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like it'd be a good crash course and just seeing as many directors as possible and yeah. seeing, seeing how people work. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I, I, I really uh, – I will be excited to hear what this project is that you know, know. when you're able to I'll announce it. I'll tell you it. when the mic's off. Okay. But when, when, will you, when will you guys be able to – I guess, like, we got to get financing together and – Hopefully, I don't know. They always like to do that stuff around film festivals, I feel like. So maybe around Sundance they will or something. Nice. Yeah. And then in general, as we're kind of winding down, uh, what do you like? To, what's fun? What's fun for you? What do you like to do that's fun? Me? I mean, my best friend has a one year old. Yeah. So I just hang at their house, have some wine, watch some Nashville. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not, not much. <laughs> like, I, my life is at their house mostly now because. They're my, you know, she's my best friend, so I just hang out with her after work. Um, but in the day, I mean, I've just been writing and, like, I'm always, like, reading something or, you know, trying to figure out what I want to do next. So a lot of reading and meetings and that kind of stuff. Now tennis. Now tennis. What kind of a tennis player are you? I mean, in terms of... I'm okay. I mean, not not in terms of skill level. I mean, like, how do you... How do you approach the game and do you feel like there are things about your personality that you will discover by playing a competitive... You know, it's funny with tennis because you start to learn something and then you have to like totally – today I actually had this new method in my head where I'd sing to myself with the ball and the racket so i get it in tune better, <laughs> which clicked in something new today. So it's just kind of like it slowly clicks new things for you, but the less effort you put into it is the, the, you know, is the best way to do it. But I'm still learning. Like I'm not you know, out there playing tons of games or anything. Right. right. Yeah. It's good though. It's good to get outside and take advantage of our – Beautiful our, weather. Our wonderful Southern California weather, which, you know, everyone shits on Los Angeles. I don't. Like, I love it. I I'm do like, too. It's great. It is great. I love it. It's, it's beautiful. A, it's, already, love it. it's already winter in other parts of the country. <laughs> I know. You know, like, I'm looking outside. There's like three clouds. It's great. I yeah, love it. I'm not good. mad at I'm not mad at our weather at all. I'm not. A, I'm not either. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you, Los Angeles weather. Me too. And, uh, I, I, you know, honestly, anytime you want to come back on, please feel free. Thank you. Come back on and, uh, and congratulations, everything. And Fargo is Monday nights at 10? Yeah. On FX. Yeah. God, dude. I pitched a show to FX not that long ago. Yeah. And just looking at all of the shows in there, it's, I know, it's amazing. Unbelievable like, how many good shows Lou, they've made. I know. Sons of Anarchy, Louie, like, I don't know. Yeah, Sons of Anarchy and Louie and The Shield and right. Justified. And, I mean, it's A lot. Just, and Fargo. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're good. That, and, and they're all so nice, too. They took us out to dinner recently and all the big heads, everyone's like a really kind person. Like, it was a very nice environment. You know, no one, everyone was very proud to be working on something and so humble about it, but yet, like, running a kick-ass channel, too, you know. Well, I think in, in order to attract the level of people that they're attracting to work there, that's probably very important. Yeah, and creatively, they let people do what they want to do. Yeah. They really do. Because Fargo, I think one of the things that a show like Fargo has is, you know, and I see the entire cast, I go, well, there's a million other things that cast could be doing. And for some reason, they decided that this is how they wanted to, that this is something that they wanted to work on. Like, they're there because they chose to be and that kind of makes it spe- that makes it a little more special. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, the first season was so good that w- I was like, okay, this is going to be there's already an, a well-oiled machine in place. So, yeah. we would really have to be bad to totally screw it all up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't yeah. sound like that's the case. No, Noah Hawley. You should interview Noah. You would love talking to him actually. All right. He's so 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 smart and really cool. He lives in Austin, but he's in LA a lot too. Oh good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Austin uh the, the 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 tiny little the, the burgeoning entertainment, you know, Robert Rodriguez's whole operation is down I there. Know. Fantastic Fest is down there. Like it really is a it's a it's a hotbed of activity I'm right gonna now. I'm going to go next year for South by Southwest for the movie that I did with Jeff Nichols cuz he lives in Austin too. So, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And so does Jesse Plemons, who is in Fargo. He has he's Austin Valley guy. Oh too. shit! Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it, it, at a certain point, you know, Austin's gonna. There's gonna be a tipping point. There is. I agree, <laughs> but it's great for now. But you know, the great thing is, is that you don't really have to live anywhere specific and be able to do this stuff. No, I mean, I live in LA because that's where my friends and family are. But if they didn't live in LA, I definitely wouldn't spend 
all my time here. For sure not. I would live wherever they lived, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Are there other t- cities that you like? Um, I I like I I actually really like Austin. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think I like Nashville, but I don't know if I'd want to live there. Um, Austin has been one of my favorite cities in the U.S. Have you ever been to Bloomington, Indiana? No. Okay. Oh, it, you know what? I love Athens, Georgia, actually. Athens is great. I love Athens. I would, I could live in Athens, too. I could also, I've heard Asheville, North Carolina is great, too. You know what it is? There's a formula. Yeah. Uh, and the formula is this. In most places, when you have the state school, there's generally a cool artistic community around it. So Nashville, you, oh, not a state school, but a large college. So yeah. in Nashville, you have Vanderbilt. You have University of Texas in Austin. And in Asheville, you have a, co- a big college. Bloomington, you have the University right. of Indiana. And Athens, too. And it yeah. just sort of, it sort of infuses the culture with, with like budding creativity. And yeah, you get the cool young bands coming through. Like it's a, yeah, it yeah. keeps it, the food good, and, but a com- sense of community still. And it's, those are smaller towns. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So then you're going to do your crazy tour, your college town tour. Yeah. <laughs> when you're doing your school play, and I'll, br- I'll bring the school play on the road. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, just do something weird. Maybe I will. All right. Good. Uh, Kirsten, thank you so much for being. Thanks for having the podcast. me. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito. Yeah, that's how we end the podcast. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.